0: Twenty-three, intimacy, identity, inheritance. So, this is how we begin our year every year at Living Waters. This is foundational to who we are. If you are new with us, um, I am so thankful that you're here because without you, well, not without you, but I'm so thankful you're here because it gives me passion to teach this message, knowing that new folks get to be a part of us and and walk this out with us this year, and uh, you know, like how can I have a passion to teach this year after year besides the fact that it is it is my joy uh, one of the greater joys as well is just to be able to share it with people and see people coming in and, and connecting with who we are and how God has asked us to lead and for For Kate and I, early on in our journey of leading this house, we felt like the Lord said, put it on our heart, that we would have intimacy and identity and inheritance as the core of who we are. So every year, we put aside some time at the beginning of the year. We actually have something coming up that's going to help us as we continue to walk this out. And so the first thing I want to do today, are you guys ready to go? We're going to do this, okay? So it's not Intimacy Sunday for 40 minutes, it's Intimacy Week, and then you're good for the year, okay? (laughs) So here's how, here's how we define intimacy, identity, and inheritance. Our intimacy with God through the... Ind- not how we define it, but here's how we phrase it. Our intimacy with God through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Our new identity through the resurrection life of Jesus. And the inheritance that we carry and release because we are reconciled to our good Father. And so we are going to be unpacking these over the weeks ahead. Put another way, intimacy is who God reveals himself to be to us, to me. Identity is discovering who I am in God, and inheritance is who we are to the world together, or who he is revealed to be through you and me. So that's how we look at intimacy, identity, and inheritance, but today we are focusing on intimacy, our intimacy with God through the indwelling Holy Spirit. To know God and to be known by God to be known truly, to be known deeply, to be known intimately, and to be seen and loved as we are for who we are, wherever we find ourselves today. Right in this moment, I want you to hear that God is with you, God is for you, and God loves you. And as we will talk about this morning, he has moved heaven and earth to be reconciled with you to bring you into relationship. You are loved, you are known, you are seen, and I can imagine that that hits on different hearts and on different ears and on different stories this morning. And I can hear, yeah, but, or what about, or I'm not in the best place, or I wish I were over here doing this, and I'm here doing this. Any ability that we might discover to be able to walk in the grace of God into the places that we believe we want to go are not going to be brought about because of your energy or your effort or your disdain for where you are. They are brought about when we can receive the fullness of who God is and the fullness of his love right where we find ourselves this morning. And so I'm inviting intimacy, the intimacy of God and the God of intimacy to meet us right where we are. So would you do something with me and just take a deep breath? Stop trying to be someone you're not. Stop trying to be somewhere that you're not. We are not here to pretend. We're not here to put on a show for God. We're not here to trick God. We're not here for a bunch of religious exercises that just make us feel better. So in that deep breath, this is who you are. This is where you are. And here's what I love about this. Is that God's heart delights in coming to you where you are right now. Holding you to his face so he can see you face to face and just saying, I am love you over all of the yeah but and what abouts? he loves you and he's for you and what we want to discover and experience this morning is what that intimacy does as we learn to receive it and live in it and make it a lifestyle for us as we say The desire that should drive the life of every follower of Jesus isn't to earn God's love and affection as a wage, but to receive it as a gift, as we just were, stopping and just receiving his love. We are invited to rest in and enjoy his presence. We are letting go of performance, and we are letting go of proving. We are holding on to the intimate connection with God's spirit that we access Through the completed work of Jesus Christ, everything that we celebrate in intimacy has been made possible because of Jesus. And so when you steward the intimacy that God has and you step into that relationship, truly what you're doing is honoring the life and the death, the resurrection and the enthronement and the outpouring of Jesus by the way that you choose to set your mind and your heart on him. And the question that I know that is worth asking is, how is this working for us? How is this yearly intimacy, identity, inheritance as a a foundation of our year and going over it over and over and over and over and over again? How is it working for us? And I don't know how it's working for you, but I can tell you how it's working for me. And my personal story is the the reality of this, is that everything that I have stewarded and cultivated in my life around intimacy has been the absolute lifeline for me personally for the last year and a half or year and however many months. When the lights go out in our life, the well-worn paths are the ones that are easiest to follow. And when the lights go out, and we have nothing else. The habits and the things that we steward and the places where we craft within our spirituality certain poles that we will always be anchored to, those are the ones that we can follow, those paths that we have walked over and over and over again. And when I was in a place stumbling through the darkness, when I was, and still am to some degree, on those places of just like, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to do. I don't know how, it wasn't because I didn't make it through the last year and whatever. And I'm, Or I'm not making it through because I had really great um, quiet time, intimacy time, reading the word time every single day because I'm like, no, I'm going to do this every single day. It was actually the absence of that that magnified the years of sowing into intimacy with God that I could pull on. I don't want to get out of bed and go read my Bible and have my coffee with Jesus. So I'm just going to lay here, and in laying here, I'm going to see if you're there, and I'm going to listen for your voice that I've cultivated. I'm going to feel your presence that has been so familiar to me, and as long as that's not gone, I can continue on, and I can walk through these dark times because this path to your heart, this path to your throne, this path to my Father who speaks identity over me is so well-worn that even when I'm stumbling, I can find it. So I would say yes, with all of my heart, this is working. And if this is all that we have at the end of the day, is just to be able to say, we are a church and a people who understand that there is nothing more celebratory of Jesus's life and death and resurrection than to receive the intimacy and the relationship that he wants for us and to be able to walk in the identity as sons and daughters that our Father sees and has put us in, in Christ. So yeah, it's it's working. It's not perfect. It's not a silver bullet. But it is the reality of so many of your stories and so many of your lives in this place because I believe that you could say the same thing that I say. That many of you have walked through even much more difficult things and you have found that this connection with the intimacy of God with God that you've cultivated has pulled you through the most difficult of times or is pulling you through the most difficult of times nothing has helped me more than just knowing who I belong to who I am and what I'm doing in this life and what I carry and I want that to be a heart as I'm standing here it's a similar testimony to so many of you intimacy identity and inheritance and the time that we spend on it is well worth it Um, so today as we do every year today is simply a chance for us to pause and to have a reminder of the importance of this in our lives this is a marker in our year to be able to say wait Let's just stop and remember God's passionate pursuit and love of us. And how are we going to respond to this constant invitation that God has to each and every one of our hearts and minds to say, he comes to us and says, I love you. I want to know you and I want to be known by you. And how will we respond to this invitation? And here we sit in January of 2023, God speaking that over us. And we have an opportunity once again to just go, how am I going to respond this year to that invitation? In Ephesians 3.17, says, that Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. I want today to be that reminder of that desire that Christ has to make his home in each of our hearts. And that as a result of that, as this scripture says, That our roots will go down deep into God's love and will keep you strong. That's what I experienced so many times over these last several months. Is that it wasn't the things that I was trying to grow really fast and latch onto. It was the deeper roots that had grown over years and years of intimacy with God. That held us in the storm that we are walking through. And the particular storms that you are walking through. I'm not saying like, oh, the little roots or the small things or the small beginnings. Like if this is where you are and you're saying this is my year to begin this journey, I celebrate that. And I would, in fact, emphatically say, don't wait any longer because it's worth it. Don't wait till a tragedy. Don't wait till something hard. Don't wait till a difficult season. It is the seeds that are planted in the good season that are able to sustain us in the difficult ones. And so my heart is saying, let's move forward in this. If you remember the story of Joseph in Egypt and Maybe you don't know the story or maybe you don't remember the story, but really simply, Joseph ended up captured in a foreign land and as he honored God throughout his process, eventually he came to a point of prominence and in that point of prominence, God spoke through some dreams and he was able to interpret those dreams and the dreams were this, there's gonna be seven years of bounty and there's gonna be seven years of famine and when Joseph had that message, he took advantage, as God's wisdom, he took advantage of the seven years of plenty to be able to walk through the seven years years of deficit these 7 years where there wasn't all of the food and the grain and everything that they needed and so this is my heart for us is if you are in a good place today Praise God and celebrate it and say, let this be a season where I can plant seeds and plant seeds and plant seeds. And when the hard times come, I am not going to be left destitute or without. I am going to be able to pull on the seeds that I have planted in this season to make it through whatever seasons are ahead. That is the faithfulness of God to plant and to sow in the seasons that he has for us to bring us thriving and not just surviving through whatever we face. Intimacy is the root system to weather the storms that life brings. Intimacy ultimately means, and we when we define it, it's oneness or it's unity with God, it's interconnectedness. It is spiritual, physical, our, our, our spiritual, our physical, our emotional lives, becoming one with Him and being inseparable from Him. That is intimacy, oneness, unity. That is what I desire for each one of us in our relationship and through our relationship with Jesus. And so this lifelong journey of oneness or intimacy, it is the core, it is the heartbeat of living waters. It is the place that God has put on our heart to continue to plant these seeds and harvest the fruit that comes from them even in difficult times. And it breaks us out, I believe, that having intimacy and Oneness with God and unity at the core of who we are, I believe that it breaks us out of performance and religiosity and earning and it returns us to the basic truths is this that we are created from intimacy. When God created, in the in the narrative of creation, when God created man and women in his image, he said, Let us, out of intimacy, out of trinity, let us create. And out of that relationship, they created. Adam and Eve and that's the 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 story that reminds us that out of this basic relationship this most beautiful relationship I didn't mean to just call the Trinity um, basic we'll just rewind that part out of this core relationship of the Trinity they say let us together out of relationship let us create So we were created out of that relational intimacy. And we were created for intimacy. If you remember in Genesis 3, so many of the stories that go around that creation... Uh, there's God walking in the garden with them, that he desired to have relationship with them. Out of relationship, they were created, and for relationship with God, they were created, and we were created. And that was our destination for creation, and yet that was broken, and when that was broken, God pursued us. Even when we turned and said, no, God, we don't want you, he pursued us and we said, no, God, we don't want you and he pursued us all the way until that relationship was restored to intimacy in Jesus. In Genesis 2, 7, you have this parallel and I love parallels like this in scripture because it helps us understand in this this reality that I'm saying is that we were created from, from relationship for relationship and that we were restored to relationship and to intimacy. That in Genesis 2, you have God breathing, taking up the dust and breathing into it. And man in that man in that moment came alive because, G, because God breathed on him. You have that in Genesis 2-7, but in Genesis 20-22, you have that full circle moment. You have that parallel moment where Jesus is with his disciples and he pulls them close. And he breathes on them and he says, receive my spirit. That is the full circle of what was broken and what was restored in Jesus. That in creation, God breathed. And in the recreation, in the reconciliation, Jesus breathed and brought life by his spirit to us. And I love that. The reality of how that paints us a picture of God's desire. It was always his desire to bring us back into that broken relationship. Colossians 1.9 reminds us of this. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus, in Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. This is what Jesus did to bring us back into relationship, to bring us back into an invitation of intimacy. Ephesians 2 goes on, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, it is by grace you have been saved God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We have been reconciled. We have been forgiven. We have been made right. And not only that, we have been brought into Christ and we are seated with him on the throne in Christ. That is our present position. And I know that is wild and that is hard for us to comprehend, but I do want us to grasp this doctrinal, theological, biblical reality that says when you come and you surrender your life to Jesus Christ and you say it is no longer I who live, I let go of my old way, my old self, my my selfishness, and I say I want to follow the way of Jesus and I want to be Born again spiritually in Jesus. And when we come into that moment, that we are coming into Jesus and we are in Jesus to the degree that we are raised with Him and we are seated with Him. That is your position of intimacy as followers of Jesus. But our position requires a response. It's not enough that we just know this doctrinally in our heads, but that today and as we walk into this week and this month and this year that we are saying, how do I go from from knowing this to experiencing it as my daily reality? Without faith, Hebrews tells us, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And then this belief and this, that he rewards those who earnestly pursue and seek him. The position that we have in Christ must be matched by the pursuit of our hearts to know him and to be known by him. Not that we are earning what is already ours positionally, but that we are choosing in response to his pursuit of us to be hearts that can be found and saying, we believe in Jesus and we believe that those who seek him will be rewarded. What is our reward? Mountains of gold. What is our reward? A perfect life. What is our reward? No more troubles. What is our reward? The Porsche in the parking lot. No. What? Sorry if you have a Porsche and it's in the parking lot. Sheesh, I'm the worst. Find your friends with Porsches, bring them. Um, This is not the reward. The reward, I know this is gonna be like Can we go back to the mountains of gold? (laughs) The reward is Jesus. It's him. He is the reward. And I can tell you from the bottom of my heart that that is so much more than enough. That in the darkest of days to just say, Jesus, are you near to have revelation of his presence and his nearness even in the silence even in the darkness is worth more than any amount on any check or any size of any house or anything of that nature he rewards those who earnestly seek him with his presence not you guys can see how i narrate inside my own brain of like don't say that you know what they're hearing <laughs> do not hear me say that he is withholding his presence so that you're like a a carrot on a string. But just saying, if it is fully available and the invitation is there, my life as a yes to that has to be spent in pursuit of that invitation that God has made to me. Does that make sense? It's not withholding. It's not a yo-yo. It's not a performance trap. It's just saying, God has said, I have gone through all of this to reconcile us into relationship. And when I look at you, I don't see blemish. I don't see failure. I don't see all of your mistakes. I see you holy and blameless, and I'm inviting you into my presence. And even when you believe that you're enemy, that we are enemies, I did all of this so that you would know that you are a son or daughter who is seen and loved and pursued. I'm calling you to my heart calling you into relationship with me that's deeper than just knowing the facts of our position in Christ. Don't miss this. Understanding that our position is established in Christ and that we now pursue him because he first pursued us. 1 John 4, 9, we love because he first loved us. We can say, I am pursuing God because first he pursued us. God in Jesus removed every obstacle, broke every chain, defeated every enemy, forgave every sin so that at the end of his victory, nothing would remain that could separate us from him. Listen to this scripture with, with new ears. I know we've said it every year and I know you've heard this scripture over and over. It is Romans eight thirty eight and 39. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor the present, or the future, nor any power, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus We say this, and it can be an oft-repeated statement, but I want you to hear it again. The way of the cross for Jesus was less painful to him than a broken relationship with you. And I want the reality of his heart, his pursuit, and his sacrifice to just be made fresh in our hearts and minds today he moved everything out of the way he did that to be reconciled to us and our response is to be able to say here i am i will follow i will pursue i will step into this relationship or this invitation of relationship hebrews 12 For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What was the joy that was set before him? The joy that was set before him was reconciliation with you. You were the joy that was set before Jesus that he put his eyes on as he walked the way of the cross. To say, Father, is this the way to bring about the reconciliation that we have been pursuing since it was broken at the very beginning of the story. First and foremost, God's pursuit of us is a love story. It's not what he wants from you or to do through you or any of that. It's not even what he wants to do for you. It's that he just wants to be with you let that settle for just a minute as we talk about how we pursue god how we step out of some of the religious apparatus stuff that may have been built around our life god did this so that you could go do this god did this to give you this god did this and now you need to do this and this and this and all of the things that are like free gift just kidding performance that crush our hearts when what we're longing for is a father who just sees us and says, I choose you. What do you want me to do? I just want you to be with me. Like God loves in a way that our minds and hearts cannot comprehend in this life because everything else that we see is a shadow. It is, it is not even close to the love that God has for you and for me. It is not a love that pulls you into performance, as we'll talk about next week, but it is a love that pulls you into a sense of identity as a son and a daughter. But he loves you just to be with you. In John 10, I don't want to branch off too far uh, this morning, but I love this I love this concept in this scripture. In John 10, Jesus is talking and he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. That is a scripture to meditate on. That is a scripture to memorize. That is, they're all scriptures to memorize. <laughs> but this one especially good, huh? <laughs> But if you're going to meditate on this, think about this. I know my sheep and my sheep know me in the same way, in the same manner that the Father knows me and that I know the Father. That is inviting us into a level of knowing that if we ever actually accessed even a percentage of that, we would probably just cease to exist. (laughs) Oh, this is great. (laughs) That's the depth Of Jesus' relationship within the the Trinity and the relationship that is taking place, and that He is saying, I want you to know me in the same manner that the Father and I know one another, the oneness and the unity. Come on. That is absolutely nuts. Jesus compares the depth of relationship He desires to that of the relationship of the Triune God, where He says in John 10:30, of other places, but in John 10:30, "I and the Father are one." This is a staggering revelation. I know that. And is it even possible? Uh, I'm not going to be the preacher that's going to like encourage you and discourage you. Like, is it possible? No. I mean, we don't get to think like I get to be a part of the Trinity. This is awesome. Like, that's not what we're teaching. Just to be clear, I'm the fourth member of the Trinity now. (laughs) It wouldn't be, never mind. Um, That's not what we're teaching, but we are teaching that the staggering level of invitation and desire that Jesus has and what he has made available to us is heart and mind bending. And accessing it is a series of yeses to step small, in small ways, into it as the reality of our life. We're not trying to get to some kind of pinnacle of spirituality. We're just trying to be able to be kids who show up and say, hey, I was invited into this. Am I welcome here? Absolutely. There's a space at this table for you. Come and sit with the Trinity. Have a meal with us and laugh with us and talk with us and dance with us and enjoy us and enjoy the overflow of this beautiful relationship that because of Jesus, you are in Jesus. And in Jesus, you are in this beautiful relationship of intimacy that is too great for our hearts and minds to comprehend. And even talking about it makes me want to give up right now. (laughs) It's just no way to express it. But we are offered this as I believe, an experiential reality of the Spirit and the presence of God. And that because of that, this should be the sole foundation and pursuit of our lives. His Spirit, His very presence in us and through us and around us and upon us because of Jesus. In Exodus 33, there's a story. And you guys know this story, and, and you know I love this. This is one of my favorite stories. And and uh, uh, I love looking back at Exodus. I love understanding the old covenant and the, and the new covenant. And, and one of these moments in the old covenant, the Israelites who are God, God just, he, he chose in his wisdom. He chose a man, Abraham, and out of Abraham, a people grew. And out of that tribe and the tribes that came from Abraham, he said, "This is my; these are my people. Were they special? It was, it was who God chose. And he, and he said, through these people, I'm going to reveal myself to the nations. So his heart was to just say, I want the nations to know me, and I want them to be invited home. I want them to be invited into reconciliation. And so through these people, I'm going to make myself known. And, and so there's this, this soap opera drama that plays out of, of how that works and all the miscues and misturns and ups and downs and mistakes of, uh, of these people who are trying to understand as they progressively have revelation of who God is and what God is like and, and trying to respond to it. But in one of these moments, they, God is asking them to move forward into the promised land and into some of the promises that he have for, has for them and they screw up, which isn't uncommon. Um, <laughs> if you've ever looked in the mirror, you understand it's not uncommon that we that we make mistakes and, and in that that moment of making mistakes God is working out this relationship with them and they come into an agreement over some rules and regulations and things that are going to and God becomes a covenant partner and a covenant enforcer which puts him in a super awkward spot within relationship with them and he says to them I'm not going to go with you into this promised land and Moses who is representing the people says in Exodus 33 he says God I We're not going unless your presence goes with us. What will set us apart from every other nation, from every other people that we encounter along the way without your presence? And for me, I don't know how that hits you, but that story has always struck a chord in me of understanding the hunger for intimacy and for God's presence to be an experiential reality of my life and not just a Sunday school reality of my position in Christ. But actually I am pursuing that level of hunger and intimacy with God where Moses would say, we don't want to go unless you're going with us. It's not about where we end up. It is about who is with us along the way. And we want to go only if you, could you imagine if Moses was like, cool. All right, well, I guess we'll see you later then. Have have fun hanging out on this mountain. (laughs) Peace, right? Why? Because we know the story and and, and if you don't, read in Exodus and read the, read the chapters that follow and read the story of the things that they encountered and the way that God intervened and, his, and the way His grace pursued the foreigners and moved people out of their past and the way that He protected them and the way that He overcame enemies and adversaries and the way that God it was all by God's spirit that they were able to do and walk into the promised land and were like, hey, thanks God um, sorry we disappointed you don't need your presence, we're just gonna go ahead and go How that would have turned out we know because we get to see the rest of the story but they didn't know that but Moses chose in that moment God I don't want to go unless your presence is with us it is what sets us apart you have another story another one of those parallels that I mentioned earlier where God breathed into people brought his life into them. And then Jesus shows up and all uh, as he's setting up the reality of the reconciliation work that he does, he pulls them close and he breathes his life into them. Again, another parallel story of that Genesis or that Exodus 33 story is found where Jesus is teaching the disciples and he's saying, I'm going to go, I have to go away. this is after the resurrection. I have to go away. But here, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. Do not go out of the city. Do not leave. Do not move until the gift that I have promised, which we know as the spirit of God, the outpouring of his spirit is given to you. So what did they do? They waited. Imagine again, if they were like, yeah, Jesus is gone. Let's go spread the, the good news. Let's go out to the nations. Let's not wait for this, whatever Jesus, this woo woo let's just go. We've got it. We got this. Like the pride, the self-reliance, all of that stuff would have just been seen in their response. But what they chose to say, we're not moving unless we are fully aware of the tangible manifest presence of God that is promised is resting upon us. I want that to be our heart. I want that to be our reality as people, as a church. Every time before I preach, there's never been a time that I can remember preaching and coming up here that I haven't hidden away somewhere to just get on my knees and go. And I'm not saying this to be like, I'm so spiritual. It's just a a stewardship of the invitation is to say, God, I don't want to stand in front of people unless your presence is with me and upon me and speaking through me. And it doesn't mean that I'm always going to get it 100% right, but I want that heart that says, God, never find me saying, Oh, peace out. I got this now. I figured out how to do this. I can teach this. I can speak this. I can do this. Never. I want it to be born out of your presence alone. Do not let me go anywhere without your presence. And if that's true of my choice to to speak, shouldn't that be true of every other area of my life? Because sometimes I'm as prone to it as any of you that I overemphasize this moment and I de-emphasize so many other moments and I go I got this God I've learned to know that I cannot stand up here without the anointing of God's spirit upon me I know that but what about all the other areas where I feel like I've got it handled shouldn't I have that same heart that says I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to go throughout my day and I'm going to be a person who says God I just want your presence in everything that I do so that I can sense and know and feel when I'm stepping out of line with this intimacy and unity that you have for us, this oneness that you have for us. Now, don't hear me say that the presence of God is so fragile that it's like right here and not right here. But man, that would be so fun to preach. (laughs) Like you guys got to get your stuff together. You're standing here. God's presence is here. Come on, let's all move over. Like, stop, stop the dumb things you're doing, right? If that was conviction, that was the Holy Spirit. I was just joking around. Um, But that we have that reality of saying, I want to be led by your Spirit. Am I suggesting that we should have a heart that says, I only want to go where you're going? Yeah. That we have a heart that says, I only want to go if you send me and are with me, yeah. I only want a, heart, or I want a heart that says, I only want to speak and move and act out of your leading and your presence. Am I suggesting that? Yes, emphatically with all of my heart because I believe so powerfully in the move and the full work of Jesus and what he accomplished in the reconciliation and not only the reconciliation, but also the outpouring of his spirit. He wants to fill you And rest upon you. He wants to lead you and guide you. He wants to go before you and guard the pathways behind you. He wants to be with you and know you. He wants to invite you into intimacy, face to face with Him, a love story with Him that is unbroken. And He wants us to live a life where we live in that surrender to His Spirit and to His presence with a hunger to pursue it, not out of performance but because that is the invitation that honors the work of Jesus. And so what are these? And I'm gonna have the worship team come back up. I wanna encourage you real quick, practically. You're like, dude, I don't know how to live like that. Like what you're just talking about, I don't know how to live like that. So let's start. Say that's step two. Let's start with step one. Step one was Moses. Sorry, were, you, were you coughing because I was in your way? Oh, sorry. sorry. She, she's like, You're going to call me up here and not make room for me? <coughs> sorry. It was, a, it was a real tickle in your throat. Okay. Okay. So that. As we're learning to pursue and hold space in our hearts for intimacy with God and and an awareness of his presence that is always there, but an awareness of his presence, that would be what we are aiming for. But in the process, we would never find ourselves like in Moses's moment where we go, oh man, God, I got this. I got this. Moses didn't say that, by the way. I'm just using it as an illustration of what could have happened. Moses said, I'm not moving unless you come with us. But don't you and I have those places, those temptations, those, those things in our life that we're like, I got this, God, I got this, God, I got this, God. I don't need you here, 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 I need you here. So I think step one is just the basics, is making sure that we don't have any areas in our life where God offered to come with us on the mountain and we ran off without him just to do our own thing. That's just step one. And that's a great check for us as we're talking about rhythms of intimacy rhythm of intimacy starts with our desire to simply say this God I want to learn to not go on my own to not do my own thing to not respond in my own strength to not build in my will to not make you a reflection of me instead of me a reflection of you I don't want to do any of those things I just want your presence and that begins a beautiful life that is in rhythm with intimacy if intimacy is unity and oneness and harmony and if it is available to us because of God through Jesus and by His Spirit alone yet is offered to us and if we are then invited to seek and to pursue Him and that we will be rewarded with His presence, what, is it, what does the rhythm of intimacy look like in your life and in my life? I think the simplest illustration that I can give is that as intimacy is unity, as intimacy is harmony, as intimacy is walking in rhythm, if intimacy is being on key, if I were to sing along with this amazing team this morning, which I will not do as an illustration because it would ruin the rest of your day, but it would not take you but a second to recognize when someone was out of harmony, or someone was out of rhythm, because it would be me. So what I, I just want us to be able to cultivate a lifestyle and say, God, I seek you, and I find you, because you seek me, because you found me, and I can sit at your feet, and I can learn the rhythms of your life, and I can be in unity and harmony with you, And the rhythms of intimacy are not something that I earn or perform for, but I learn to walk in step with you. I learn to hear your song and align my life with it in a beautiful way. The rhythms of intimacy are going to be us being willing to go. Not performative and not in any way shameful this morning, but just taking some time this morning. To say, are there places in my life, my heart, and my mind that are not in harmony with God? Where I'm not where I'm not walking in rhythm with Him, where I'm walking in rhythm with my own desires and my own dreams and my own purposes and my own beliefs or my own doubt or my own fears or my own tiredness or my own angry or anger or whatever it is, where that has become the drumbeat that my life is living to, and I need to say enough. that i want to be in rhythm i want to be in harmony with god i want intimacy to be the story of my life that i cultivate that the roots of your heart and your life would go down deep into his heart and love because you're walking in harmony with him in unity with him in intimacy with him so is there anything in our lives that we can just say It's out of harmony, out of rhythm. You know what repentance is and confession is? It's very simple. It's recognizing those things and saying, I'm gonna come back into harmony with you, into peace with you, into patience with you, into waiting with you, into walking with you, and into those moments where I've had opportunity to say, God, I don't wanna step another step in my life, in my marriage in my family, in my job, in my dreams, in my purposes, unless you're going with me. Because what will set us apart from anyone else and anything else that's out there except the presence of the living God? So let's take some some time and just allow this song to be sung over us close your eyes, sit back, I know there's communion available, and whatever your response looks like to just say, I want to be, I want to be in harmony with you, I want to say yes to, to going where you go and where your presence takes
1: us. Find him. Father, and that no matter where we go, there you are, God. You know, in Psalm 139, it says that we could go down into the depths and you will still be there. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for being everywhere we need you to be.